Hey guys, and welcome to the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report presented by Great Days Outdoors Magazine, the first podcast to bring you the local fishing report for Alabama's lakes and rivers, whether it's good, bad, or ugly. Guess what? Father's Day rolling up soon, right around the corner. Mother's Day as well. Hey, the mother's on your list. I mean, my wife, she loves to hunt and fish. She loves outdoors just practically as much as I do. So, if you're looking for a Mother's Day or a Father's Day gift, hey, we've got it at GreatDaysOutdoors.com. All you have to do is head on over to GreatDaysOutdoor.com and check out the best gifts for the outdoorsman in 2021. We've curated a bunch of unique ideas to help you find an awesome gift for the outdoorsman on your list. Just head on over to GreatDaysOutdoors.com slash best gifts for outdoorsmen to check it out. My name is Brian Sin. I'm your host. Appreciate you guys listening. Man, I hope everyone's having a great week. Man, it's the uh, same old thing here in Alabama. One day it's sunny, one day it rains. Seems like we've had a lot more sun lately than rain, so that's a good thing. But the rivers, I think the lakes are kind of starting to finally level out a little bit instead of all the rising and falling that we had earlier in the spring with all the rain. Uh, weather's getting a little more consistent, so I'm really excited about this week's show. Uh, I know we're going to get some great insight on what's happening around the state of Alabama and all the wonderful lakes and rivers we're blessed with and find out what the fish are doing. So let's get started on that right now. I'm excited about these first guests for a whole bunch of reasons. First of all, I love having these young college fishermen on here that are successful, that, I mean, these guys go out and earn it day in, day out. And to have a guy like Connor Jacob and Sam Smith on here that are members of the Auburn fishing team. Hey, that's the other reason I'm like excited guys, right? War Eagle. What's up, guys? How are y'all doing? Good, good. How are you doing? Doing great, man. I appreciate you guys joining me. I know you're in the boat right now. You're fishing. What are y'all, are y'all pre-fishing right now? Yeah, we're pre-fishing on the Potomac River, actually, right now. Wow, joining us from the Potomac. So what tournament you got there this weekend? Uh, we just have a little MLF college event. I don't think there's too many boats in it for some reason, but it's like 40 boats as of now. Awesome. Well, Connor, man, and, and Sam, both you guys, thank you all for joining. Both of you, like I said, are, are members of the Auburn fishing team by way of Peoria, Illinois, so I'd love for you guys just to tell me. I mean, I know being a baseball player from Auburn, we recruit from all over the country. We we get people from everywhere to come play for Auburn and all these SEC schools. How did you guys end up at Auburn? We had done a lot of out-of-state tournaments from Illinois, and my mom was actually the boat captain, and we fished together. Um, even though we went to separate high schools, we still made Bassmaster accounts and FLW at the time accounts. And we got to travel all around, and we um, frequented Alabama quite a bit, and we just really liked the lakes down there. So immediately when we decided we wanted to fish in college, we really thought that we had to pick Alabama somewhere. And doing a little bit of research, we settled on Auburn for sure. We decided that would be for the best lakes and just team environment we could get. That's awesome, man. With no regrets there so far, huh? No, absolutely not. The team is awesome this year, for sure. Yeah, they are an awesome team. It's a great group of guys. We have several of them that have joined us in the past on the podcast, and we love having them on. Connor, uh, uh, first of all, congratulations. 
uh, I know you just won a, uh, an extremely big tournament from what I understand, man. Tell us about what you won, uh, kind of the tournament and then let's walk through that a little bit. Yeah, it was the Bassmaster College Open on Smith Lake. And, well, Sam and I, we had fished there. It was the same tournament last year, and it just happened to be on Smith also. different, Slightly different time of year, but still kind of similar. And it had been our first time up there on the lake. And we, we kind of struggled in that one just to figure it out. It was high water and changing conditions. And we definitely weren't used to the Highland Reservoirs quite yet. But... um We've been fishing Martin quite a bit. We had gone into it with a different approach, maybe looking for more largemouth, and it just worked out. We had uh, four days of practice, I think, and it was a tougher practice, but we kind of just found some areas we thought we had some fish in and stayed away from them until the tournament, and it ended up working out pretty well once it got once it. Good stuff, man. Well, what what was the what was kind of the key for you there? What were you? What fish were you focusing on? What what were you fishing with? Kind of uh, walk us through that. Yeah, well, we last year we targeted a lot, mostly spotted bass, and uh, I think it kind of burned us a little bit. So this year we've been focusing a lot more on fishing for largemouth, and uh, we went there and we found some largemouth in practice, and we found a good little shad spawn deal with some spots on docks in the morning. But we just noticed that there were a lot more quality fish, largemouth, that were under trash maps, and we could flip all afternoon and get five or six of them in the boat and they were a lot bigger than the spot so so that's what y'all were doing we're flipping yep yep targeting trash mass in the back of the creek man that's awesome mainly jigs oh uh, we were actually throwing sam was throwing a d-bomb on a half ounce weight and i was throwing a quiver worm from missile base on same deal half ounce weight hayabusa flipping hook Oh, that's good, man. Well, congratulations on, on the win for you guys up there. You'll have to go listen to my, my show from last week, the Alabama Freshwater Report from last week. We've got a guy that calls in a contributor from Smith Lake, and he's a phenomenal guy up there. But I love having him on the show. And Smith is so different. It fishes so different than any lake we have in the state. The water's so clear. It's so deep. It's unbelievable. But I love having him on, and, and it has gotten to the time of year that he loves the most there uh, and it's top water. But it's so amazing to me to hear him talk about fishing top water on fish that are suspended. You know, and he, his boat may be six sitting in 80 foot of water, and the fish are suspended at 30 feet of water. And he's fishing and he's catching them on top water. He's watching those fish come up from 30 feet to kill that top water lure. Pretty exciting way to fish, I imagine. Oh, yeah, that sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, it really does. But that's, uh, he kills them. I mean, he, he slaughters them up there for sure. Well, okay, so y'all went from Smith Lake. And then what was the next tournament y'all were in? After that, uh, we, the, it was the following week, we headed up to Gunnersville, and it was the same time that the elites were there, actually. We had a, a small, it was the SBC state championship. And how'd you finish there? Yeah, we won that one, actually. So y'all won two back-to-back weekends. Yeah, we did. We, we didn't see that one coming, for sure, because we had a tougher practice up there, but we just kind of tried to stay out of the elites' way and look around what we could find because we we've been on Gunnersville a couple times too but by no means have we seen enough of that lake to feel confident on but yeah we just kind of picked an area picked it apart came in with like 17 and a half I think and it ended up being enough to win that tournament which surprised us 
Wow, that's incredible, guys. Congratulations, man. Well, y'all must be, uh, y'all are a heck of a duo in the boat together. But, you know, one of the questions that I, I have is you're not from this area. You're not used to fishing. You didn't grow up fishing these southern lakes. And then, you you know, like Gunnersville, you, you had fished it, but not a ton. When you go up to a lake and start pre-fishing, preparing for a tournament, I mean, what's kind of, y'all must have a pretty good system in place if you, you won two weekends in a row. So kind of how do you go about dissecting a lake and how you're going to catch fish? Yeah, it's definitely an interesting approach usually because it's so hard because a lot of lakes just, you can't really approach them the same way with the same mentality, especially coming in, like you said, with very little in- information because that was definitely a big learning curve for us coming from Illinois, where some of our bigger lakes are the size of a small cove on some of the lakes we fished down in Alabama. So it really was, it took us a year definitely to look around and really get comfortable. And from what we've learned is with lakes like Gunnersville and Smith, if you have limited practice, you really kind of have to do a lot of research and just come to terms with what you can do, what you're comfortable with and what you think lines up with what the fish are doing. And if you don't really know what, what's going on, if it's a really foreign concept, like catching those suspended spots is definitely a learning curve for us from Illinois. But just we spent a lot of time just practicing that on Martin whenever we could and then just applying what we could do to these lakes and thinking about what was the best approach to catch the biggest bag that we could. Because we understood going into Smith that probably the biggest bag that could be caught in the tournament was going to be flipping. And we're very comfortable flipping coming from Illinois, but some tournaments, Potomac, for example, there's a lot of offshore grass here. We haven't done too much. So here we'd approach a lot differently and really just kind of find some other deal that they do down here and really try to apply what we know and see if it can work. And if not, if that's not happening, you just kind of have to try to learn the new technique. But a lot of times we found it's really not a good idea to apply a new technique the week of a tournament because it's just it's a little bit too big of a learning curve to overcome sometimes. Yeah, you're almost better off doing your research, finding out what, what other people have done and what's been working on the lake and, and, and kind of maybe stick to some of those methods. And and then maybe try to throw some of yours in there as well just to see if they work. So what was the key on Gunnersville? How were you guys catching them there? Uh, we caught most of our fish. It was pretty different, uh, up shallow for sure. We had a couple good ones. I think two, three pounders were actually on bed really late so that was surprising and then our biggest one ended up being a fry garter it was about a four pounder and we caught a couple fry garters in practice and we saw some fish on bed so it was different good stuff man well i know that you guys being located in auburn you fished the coosa the talapusa quite a bit and uh for the, the alabama side of this uh segment that we're doing i know that you guys both have been in martin very recently what are the fish doing in martin right now how are you catching them yeah we've definitely been just targeting the brush pile bite pretty much it was uh, a couple weeks ago it was really hot and you could go out there and catch a, a lot of fish and the last couple times i don't know the conditions weren't perfect for it and we've kind of you can see them down there you can watch them on live scope and everything but it's just hard to get them to eat sometimes so we're spending some time just finding brush piles fishing them and we're, we're catching some numbers but they're definitely being kind of stubborn right now, but um, we've also been dedicating a lot of time to the largemouth bite. We've been kind of just trying to find what's going on up shallow because earlier this year, 
we did some tournaments out there and we kind of found some pockets with largemouth and some deals, docks and stuff. So we're, we're trying to keep on top and see if we can find a few throughout the summer, because if you can get a big largemouth bite here and there, especially in the little tournaments out there, you can make some money if you have one big three pound plus fish, you know, along with a limit of spots. Oh yeah. Well, when you're targeting brush piles, is there a certain depth that you're trying to find these brush piles or, or is it pretty much any brush you find is worth fishing or are you looking for a certain depth? Um, we probably look mostly in the 20 foot range. If we, if we idle over something that's on a steeper drop closer to 30, as long as it comes up into 20, we'll give it a shot because They'll get on it pretty good. And sometimes with the water level changes, I think that people drop it in the winter or different times and it'll end up being a little deeper than, than I normally look. But yeah, I mean, anything between 15 foot, even 10 foot to like 30 is worth fishing. But the, the main range we're looking when we're scanning is like 20. It's 20. Yeah. So you're just looking, you're using your electronics. You're like your side scope, side vision and locating brush piles and then using your live scope to kind of see see what's going on yep yep for sure we just kind of idle around and graph and um you know points and humps and stuff anything that comes up into 20 and then if we find it we drop a waypoint on it and then yeah with live scope it's just so easy to find them now and hit them with every cast it's so nice to just stay on top of them because back before we had live scope we'd go out there and it'd take a minute to make sure you were hitting the pile and everything but now you know you know you can watch those fish follow a jerk bait or a drop shot and it's just crazy yeah, that's a game changer, man, and I, that's uh, that's a fun way to fish for sure. What are you fishing with right now? When you find this brush top, when you find fish on a drop or a hump this time of year, kind of what's some of the go-to baits you guys are using? It really depends, but I'd say the most common thing we throw is a drop shot. Uh, if we find some more active fish, we'll throw a jerk bait or an underspin at them, but a lot of the times it's hard to beat a drop shot, especially when they're being really bait shy. Yeah, drop shots always solid, that's for sure. So what's next? You got the Potomac this weekend, and then uh, what, what's next after that? Um, next is in two weeks, I believe, right, Sam? Yeah, about that. About two weeks, we have a tournament up on Saginaw Bay for Bassmaster, and that's up in Michigan. Wow. And then, yeah, so then after that one, I think we'll be we'll be done for a few weeks, and we're coming back to Auburn, and then... We have the Mississippi River and then Bassmaster Nationals up on um, the St. Lawrence River. So we got some smallmouth stops coming up. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Well, fun stuff, man. And and I wish you guys the best of luck uh, this weekend and throughout the rest of the year. Before I let you guys get off of here, one thing we'd like to do at the end of every segment is to get a tip of the week. So if somebody's going to... Let's just, you know, Lake Martin, anywhere on the Coosa, Tallapoosa right now, what is a tip that you guys would give if somebody's going to go fishing, say, this weekend? Definitely our, our thing that we've been going with this whole year, I guess, and it's really helped with our success in tournaments and just fun fishing, is spots are always fun to target. But sometimes if you really want to find a bigger fish, if you're just going to go for that big fight, it's worth dedicating some time to largies. And like, like we were saying, even at Martin, we'll spend time looking for you need spice. Um, then the coos hits better, you know, you can actually do it. But 
a lot of times just looking for largemouth, putting a bigger bait in your hand and just dedicating some time to it, it can make it worth it. Because spots are always fun to catch, but sometimes it's fun to catch one of those five-plus-pound largemouth. You're dang right. Awesome, guys. Well, hey, man, I'm going to let y'all get back to fishing. I don't want to hold y'all up anymore. Get, get a bait in the water and quit talking to me. Greatly appreciate you guys taking a few minutes out of your day to talk with us. And, uh, man, look forward to having both of y'all back on very soon. And uh, good luck to you guys. Stay safe out there. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. Absolutely. Talk to you soon. All right, guys, let's take a short break and hear from one of our sponsors, and we'll be back in just a second. If you're fortunate enough to own a lake or a pond, then I know you want to get the most out of it as possible. We all want to manage and grow big deer on our place, so why not grow the biggest, most healthy fish possible as well? Give Norman a call at Southeastern Pond Management at 205-288-1371 or just look them up, southeasternpondmanagement.com, and these guys know what they're doing when it comes to managing ponds and lakes. So uh, if that's what you need, reach out to them. What a great report that was from, from Connor and from Sam. Uh, man, like I said at the first of this segment, I love having these college guys on, these young guys, and it just blows me away how well-spoken they are. And, and, and I don't know if that just comes from being on the uh, fishing circuit and, and have an opportunity to speak. But, I mean, these guys sound like they've been, been doing this kind of stuff forever. And, and hats off to them because that's uh, very commendable of them to be able to get on a podcast, short notice like this, and do a good job on it. And, and they did. And it sounds like they're doing a good job fishing, too. So uh, we appreciate those guys. All right. Let's go on to uh, segment two. And uh, we are going to travel down to West Point Lake with Ken Baird. And Ken, what's going on, my friend? Oh, we're just snatching and reeling like crazy down here. <laughs> hey, if you snatching, if you snatching, that's a positive, man. That means you own fish. Yeah. Yeah, they, it's on. We're catching them really good down here. Um, has a few, few changes with the water fluctuating, but once everything gets settled, they and you figure out where they're at, you can go back to catching them. Last week was great. The brim were bedding, and some were through bedding, and just still up in the shallow water. And for some reason, they decided they would pull the lake down. And uh, it's down about two and a half to three feet. So we had a couple days there where we kind of struggled. Well, I had one day that I struggled, and, uh, which was Monday. But once the water leveled off, it stayed low, but, you know, things settled down. Uh, they quit pulling it. So the brim stayed stayed up shallow. They're not bad, and they're just up shallow. You know, that's what we did today. We we just fished shallow with uh, finesse jigs with a speed crawl on it. Uh, we, I don't know. We probably caught 20, 25 bass today. And we had about three that was over three, and then I don't know how many twos and one and a half it was just a really good day and i mean that was we didn't we didn't meet to eight o'clock because the way it's been been is with a mess with that water the, the top water by just kind of went away the early morning top water and uh but I, that was pretty you know i got tired of getting up at you know <laughs> 5 30 and and not catching nothing until you know nine o'clock so last couple trips we just met about eight we hadn't been catching until 10 but this morning at eight o'clock we put the boat in, and so we run over to a big rocky point and 
probably caught seven or eight off of it. So we just went from one to the to the next one, and until uh, we ran out of ones to go to, and then then I started fishing the outside of the pockets on the main channel, in the in the blowdown trees, mm-hmm. and uh, they were there. They, I mean, they was choking it, buddy. I mean, and at one point, my my customer set the hook and. He had a, about a three pounder, and he, I, saw, I saw another one behind him, and I flipped my jig in there and uh, pumped it a couple of times, and he ate it. So it had two three pounders right there, and on that one off that one tree. Wow, but, that's uh, awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, we just uh, we just you know you kind of look at where they were. They were in the back of the pocket. Now they're not. So where are they going to be? They're going to come outward. They'll come out to the outside long stretches of the bank or either the outside points. And they'll stay there. The water temperature is 80, and they'll stay there to the brim, to the brim leave leave the banks, and uh, which is going to be when the water gets up by 87, somewhere around in there. And, mm-hmm. and then then we'll be fishing out on the structure with the football head jigs and stuff like that. Yeah, and you know, I always have always thought of West Point as a as a deep, you know, a a lake where you that you know, you're doing exactly what you were describing right there, catching schooling fish in the, in the main lake and uh, not shallow. And that's what I was going to ask, and you just a- answered that is is what time of year do those fish move out? Uh, but right now they're still up. It sounds like and uh, sounds like they're up good. I mean, if you're catching, that's that's a great day, especially starting at eight o'clock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it was a great day. I mean, even last week, if you go on. The Veterans Fishing Organization's Facebook page, and uh, I think the last post I made uh, of this veteran's wife set it up for him, and um, they they just bought him a little aluminum boat and stuff, and he got stationed at Fort Benning, and so they'd been up here a couple times and hadn't done any good, so she had come across my organization and um, lined up a day and kind of surprised him with it, and uh, she caught like a, a five-pounder, which had the the body frame of a six and a half probably we caught those on the wacky worms i caught them on jig but i just tied them a wacky worm on and uh, we caught them all day long that's before they took the last foot of water out at that point there was still some in the backs then i was out in the river going into the real small pockets the ones that wasn't deep and they would be inside there and um i, I could take a swim bait and just throw it down the middle and catch them or either i could throw the jig or you could just throw a wacky worm around and catch them but then when they pull that water down another foot they all came out and so they're on the on the outsides of the pockets now so what you're looking for whether, now is any kind of structure on the outside of the pocket whether it be rock or whether it be a you know blow down or whatever you could find yeah yeah we call them off rock and and wood today and they're on the outside, whether you're in a creek or you're in the river. A lot of those fish that live in the creeks, they never make it out to the river. They live in there. So you kind of treat it the same way you would the river. If they're not in that back, they're going to be either on their way out or they're, they're going to be out. But now, last week, you could go into the pocket and fish down that first stretch, and you could catch them. But now, you can fish down, you don't catch anything. They're on the outside where the main channel is now i got you so when you're and i'm just trying to visualize and and give my give the listeners uh, a visual of what you're doing so when you think about a pocket off the main lake 
They were in the back of that pocket. So now you're coming out of that pocket and the outside, you mean basically, I mean, you're right there at the main lake where the pocket ends, right? Yeah. We're actually fishing the point. The point. And then the outside bank, especially if there's any blowdowns or rock on it. I got you. I got you. Yeah. And those next move for those fish when they leave there will be to go out into the main lake channel and a little bit deeper water and school up. Yeah, on your on your bigger points and road beds, all kind of stuff, old mm-hmm. pond dams, any kind of structure like that. Right. Um, now, now if the water gets up in the about ninety ninety one, which it usually does in in July, what happened is uh, you get a thermocline, and the way you see that, the best way to see it is when you're when you're coming in in the afternoon, right about dark. Turn your sonar on, not your downscan, your sonar, and you'll see just a line of clutter. Normally, it comes down to 15, sometimes 20 feet. Uh, I like it when it's at 15. It'd be clear above 15 up to zero, and then from 15 down, it'd be just clutter. And hmm. that's that's your change in your temperature. So all your fish are going to be above that line right there of clutter. The thermocline, it took a long time for me to figure that out. And I would see that a lot of times in the evening, and I didn't understand what it was. But if you watch it, if you're idling, idling in, if you start seeing fish, they'll be right there on that line, or they're going to be right above it. Oh, right above it, yeah. And, yeah. And we've talked on, you know, we've talked a little bit about the thermocline on the show, and and I know that we've talked about it probably at a greater extent uh, when we have our our monthly segment, uh, our pond management segment on with Southeastern Pond Management, and we've talked about it more in lines of, you know, a pond, you know, or a small a small lake, and you know, that's privately owned pond somebody has on their property, whether it's three to five to ten acres. And, you know, we talk about building that lake in depth. And he's like, look, you, what you got to understand is in a pond like that, anything below that thermocline is a waste, wasted space because they're not using yeah, it. it in the, they're, they're not there. It's different in different lakes, I'm sure, are different. You know, you look at a, a lake like Smith Lake. I mean, you mm-hmm. where's the thermocline at in there? I mean, you can catch fish at... 70 80 feet deep there which you would think that would be below the thermocline but i guess in those maybe lakes with a higher flow i don't know it's just different but what you see mainly in west point is is you see them above that thermocline which makes sense yeah and like i said i'll see it in once that temperature gets up in the 90s -hmm. and it's been that way for a week or so maybe two weeks or so like I said, you, when you're idling in and eating, I mean, it, once you figure it out, it, it's plain as day to you. You know, you see all that clutter from that point under that. You need to fish, say it's at 20 foot. So you fish 20 foot or less. Or less. That, yeah. But a lot of times it gets around 15, 18 feet, which is great because that way they can still be out there on some structure. Right. On top of some road beds and stuff like that. If it's at 20, there's a lot more places they can be at. So I like for it to be 15, 18 foot. So I keep them more consolidated. Yeah. Yeah. And right now you said you're catching them 
you're mainly catching them on, uh, you're throwing, you know, wacky worms, jigs. Yeah, I was catching them on frogs and um, swim baits and all that, but of course that changed, and you have to change with it. <laughs> so that's what I've done. I just, I just kind of changed, changed with the conditions. I mean, like, last time we talked, I think it was, it was Mother's, Mother's Day weekend, and I was camping on the lower end, and the water had come up. And those fish were in a bad post-spawn mood down there. And I had a boy from Colorado here visiting his mother. And that's something he wanted to do while he was here was go fishing. And she wanted to treat him for that day and come with him. So I called him and told him, I said, look, just meet me up there at Yellow Jacket Creek, you know, which is, we were staying in Wee Hacky. So Yellow Jacket is probably the last big creek before it turns into pretty much just river. And um, we met up there, and I, so we've been camping for a week and a half, so, and I hadn't been up there, but I knew I needed to get away from where I was at because uh, we weren't catching hardly anything down there. We had a great day, you know, just changing the part of the lake for the conditions that you're you're in, if that right. makes sense to Absolutely. you. Absolutely. You know, yeah, I mean, like the conditions, the mood the fish were in down the lake, and with the water rising down there, that was just not a good scenario. So I had more choices if I came up. Right. Uh, as far as shallow water and, and stuff like that. Um, and I knew those fish were behind those fish in the spawn and post-spawn and all that. And we did. We found some bed and we found some garden fry, all kinds of stuff. So, you know, it's like that throughout the whole year. You got to change with the season. You know, and I mean, that's what I'm doing right now. We're, they're going from a spring to a summer pattern. You know, they're, they're in between that. Right. Um, the springtime is, is when they're bedding, when they're done, the shad are spawning and the brim are spawning. But see, the, the brims, they're done now. And so they're all starting their way back out of the pockets. I mean, and the bass are going have, with them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, it, it happens the same way every year. The bass are going, they're going to follow those brim and and the shad too. You don't see any shad in the pockets now. Mm-hmm. That's a good uh, good way to identify where where to fish for the bass because if they're not there, the bass aren't going to be there. That's for sure. Well, Ken, if somebody is going to come up and and maybe fish this weekend, you know, I can't let you get out of here without a tip of the day. What tip would you give them right now? Yeah, uh, fish rock and wood on your main lake or the, either the main creek on the outside. It yes. Don't go back in the pockets. You're on, you're on the outside where the main channel is. Stay on the outside at West Point, people. Good tip, man. We appreciate it. And I always love having you on here. If somebody wants to book a trip with you, what's the best way for them to reach you? Uh, yeah, they can go on KenBeardandFishing.com. Um, the guy I took out today, he went on there and, and sent me an email. Now, if you're a veteran, you get to go free, and you go on uh, VFO. That stands for Veterans Fishing Organization, vfohome.org. And uh, you can sign up on there. You put your name and phone number and the state you live in. When you hit submit, that sends me an email, and then I'll get back with you and set up a day and a time. and a lake depending on where you where you're from 
Man, that's um, great. Yeah. You can go on Facebook, Ken Bearden Fishing, and uh, you can go through Messenger that way too. Good so. deal, man. Well, I love what you do taking these veteran fishing and, and offering them a free chance to get out. So, as always, thank you for doing that. Ken, love having you on here, man. And uh, y'all give Ken a call. This guy knows West Point, knows how to catch the fish there. He'll uh, be a joy to be in the boat with and to teach you something while you're out there with him, plus catch a lot of fish. So, Ken, man, I appreciate it. Look forward to talking to you again soon, brother. Yes, sir. God bless y'all. Have a good day. Awesome, man. Thank you. All right, guys, that wraps up another great segment. Y'all take a minute to check out some of the businesses that keep this show free for you each and every week. Photonist Defense is proud to offer the PD Pro line of night vision systems. The PD Pro series is the world's smallest and lightest night vision goggles built around the Photonist 16mm filmless 4G image intensifier tubes and our hybrid filmless 18mm image intensifier tubes. These ultralight, ultra-compact night vision systems deliver the cleanest image, best resolution, smallest, most transparent halo, and best overall performance and function of any night vision system available. The PD Pro line consists of the PD Pro M 16mm monocular, the PD Pro B 16mm binocular, and the PD Pro Q panoramic night vision system. Photonist Defense, Masters of Darkness. All right, guys, let's go on to segment three, which is our Tennessee River Report, uh, Smith Lake, Pickwick, all north Alabama. And let's let's go with Captain Nathan Martin. Nathan, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing good, man. Doing good. And uh had a had a good week and man looking forward to a to another good weekend. So um uh, man, where you uh you've been catching them? Yeah, you know, I haven't been doing a ton of trips because of sea clear power, but uh, the trips that we have had where I've been doing electronic classes slash, you know, fishing trips, uh, we've been loading the boat. I think the worst trip we've had uh, in the last two weeks has been 38 keepers, so uh, they're biting. Good gracious, man. That's that's awesome. Have most of that on Pickwick? Yeah, I, I haven't. I've done all my classes on Pickwick, uh there's just so many more fish to catch on Pickwick. The light's so much bigger. The the so many more ledges to to get on, and you know it's that time of year where those the light turns over and the bait goes deep, and you gotta get out there and draft them up, and they get in big schools. You know, some of my clients are just blown away when you roll over them. They're like, is, it, is that all bass? And you're like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> man, it's uh. On last week on the show, I, I had we were talking about Pickwick, and it just seems to be the hot lake right now. I mean, it's all the lakes we have in Alabama, and we've got some great ones, right? But Pickwick's been on fire this year, it seems like. And honestly, it has not been. 2014 to 2019, Pickwick, I would put it up against any lake in the country. The last two years, it's been down a little bit, but it's still just such a special lake. But yeah, it is on fire compared to most lakes. You know, Eufaula seems to be having a down year where last year it was just unreal. I don't know. Pickwick is just special. You know, it's got everything. Still got a lot of grass in it and got a lot of ledges, got a lot of bait. And, you know, if you got all that, you got good fishing. Yep. Back in like the winter trails and stuff from like 14 to 
you know, 19, it would take, it take 28 pounds every single weekend. You know, I got beat having 28 pounds all smallmouth several times. Jeez. And, uh, we didn't really have that type of year this year. Uh, but the ledge fishing has, has been good. Um, you know, the numbers have been really good. Uh, and you know, we're still seeing tons of big schools. So the population out there is still very good. And, I hope people continue to respect it and take care of it because it is very special. It, it sounds like it. And, you know, so it, it sounds like that the fish have, you know, moved out of the shallow water. They've moved out uh, to the ledges right now. So kind of how are you finding the fish? And then, you know, just as importantly, once you find that school of fish, what are you catching them on? I run four HDS-12 lives and active target. And uh, I run the three-in-one active engine transducer. All my units are powered with the Seekler power wiring harness. Um, so all my units are just crystal clear and dialed in. But, you know, I, I, get, I get out there on those ledges and I start looking for little bends in the ledge and humps and anywhere, you know, when, I, when, I'm, when I'm thinking about fishing offshore, I'm, I try to become the predator. And uh, I think about where a predator would sit you've really got to be able to read a map when you get offshore to find these schools of fish because, you know, if you look at the bank, you know, a lot of people like to fish the bank. Well, the bank is out there in 20 foot too. It's just, you can't see it. So you've got to be able to read that map and think about, okay, if I caught them on the bank because of this, say it's a rock, say it's a point, say it's, whatever it is that's putting those fish on that bank, you've got to find that same deal out there in 18 to 25 foot by being able to read your map. And so that CMAP chip, that Precision Contour HD chip from Lawrence and CMAP, I, I totally rely on that with the color shading and the one foot depth contours. That map is just so detailed that it's going to show me every little niche and turn in that ledge and every hump and every ditch that's running through something. And so that's the way those fish relate to. And I like to think of a bass as like a tiger or a lion. You know, they don't just sit out in the pasture and hope that an impala runs by them. They sit behind a tree or something that's close to a pinch point in a creek that all those impalas run through and then they, they attack. Uh, the easy prey and so the bass do the same thing and so you just got to find you know that point that you know on the Tennessee River it's all it's all current related so when they turn that current on and that bait fish starts getting washed around down there in the ledges and it starts forming those little current eddies if you've ever been in some strong current and got behind something you're like wow my, my boat's not moving the same thing happens down there on the deep ledges those current eddies make little pockets down there where the current doesn't wash anything. So those fish can sit in those little current eddies and not have to spend any energy. And the bait fish is still going to get washed into those areas by the current. And uh, that's what forms the shell beds. And then when the shell beds form, obviously everything else comes to the shell beds and the bass start following all the bait and, you know, that's why those schools get so big in those little specific spots. And there's not just fish everywhere. You know, there's, there's a reason you know, there's, there. 60, there's 60 really hot spots on Pickwick. And it's because there's a turn eddy there 
and it's formed shell beds on those spots and uh those fish just position on on those eddies to you know be able to attack their prey very easily and um so it's all about reading that map and and your side imaging and down imaging and knowing what shell beds look like on your your units and it's very important to have your units dialed in so that you know you're always going to get the same picture because you know, if you if you start the day out and your your units look good, and then three hours down the road your battery's dead because your units aren't wired right, and then the processor slows down and the pictures change just a little bit, it can really mess with your confidence offshore. You know, even for somebody like me that's got 1,500 hours behind these units, if I'm not confident in in my unit it's hard to be confident fishing and you and I all know fishing's all about confidence. You know, if you're out there confident in what you're seeing and your unit is showing you the same thing at 7 a.m. or at 3 p.m. as it is at 7 a.m. Um, and every time you crank that thing up, you know, you know, your, your boat's going to crank for one. Your units aren't killing your battery. It's very important to have everything dialed in. And, you know, when you get it all dialed in and, get some time behind those units now you can pretty much tell whether the fish are going to bite before you make a cast just by what they look like so um, and that, that's cool and, and and what a great visual i've never had anybody paint the picture like you just painted it really good job of doing that and especially with like you know you think of like that that cheetah or that line he's not just sitting right out there in the open there's a reason that he's behind that tree or behind that rock and positioning itself in a in a in a very specific intentional way uh to make it easier for for him to catch prey and it's and it's the same way with those bass but i've, I've never heard anybody put it quite in those terms and that's a great visual uh so it's just about being able to be confident in your electronics and your ability to read a map and and find those setup points and then you can find the fish yeah i mean you know, and those fish, they're not always set up on that on the juice. You know, there's times when the current ain't rolling and those fish spread out, suspend, and the bait fish suspends and, and roams because the current's not putting it in that specific spot. And that's where side imaging really comes into play. You know, just like on my guide trip a couple of days ago, a guy had a transducer that know he thought it was working good but as many as i've looked at it wasn't the down imaging was not good and the side imaging was not good and i I could barely find anything on side imaging and so uh, it made it very difficult for me to guide him just because of my lack of confidence in what i was seeing and uh, not being able to just you know with the side imaging i can pretty much always go over the juice and I'm going to see them somewhere within 200 foot of me. And then I can mark them and go right over them. And it makes life a lot easier. But, you know, he, his side imaging, he, those crystals and those transducers, they, they can go bad at any time. So you can get a transducer that, you know, most folks that haven't looked at it 1,500 hours would say it's not broke, but it is. And um, so it's just very important to have your units dialed in and to, maximize your time out there you know if yeah if you're putting your bait in front of a fish 
every single time you make a cast, which is 100% possible now with technology, they're going to be more successful. Yeah, right. So, no doubt about that. Well, what kind of depth are you finding the fish at right now? Is it a, a specific depth that you're trying to target when you're going out there looking for these spots right now? No, I mean, they could be anywhere from, you know, those shell beds can be an eight foot, six foot, some of them. Some of them are in 25. It's just, it's all about getting behind those units. And, you know, those shallow shell beds, those are the sweet spots because you can't scan them with down imaging. And there's not very many people that have taken lessons and figured out how to read side imaging. So when you find those schools in those six to eight foot ranges that's when you win and uh, that's exactly what jordan hartman did last couple weeks ago at the uh kikamara tournament him and i found a school of fish and uh there was only three three competitors in the tournament that found or actually four competitors that found that school of fish it was me jordan hartman tristan mccormick and uh i think uh i just had a brain fart on the other guy's name but they all four, all four of us had, you know, the Sinclair Power Harness. All their all their units are dialed in. And another thing is that you know that harness really gives the power to the units and, and gets clean power to that processor so it can perform to its maximum potential. And if you don't have clean sufficient power going to that processor, you're just not going to get the maximum performance out of it. So, you know, all of our units we can stand out to 100, 120 feet and still see fish 120 to 120 feet from the boat. And uh, that specific school that Jordan won the tournament on, on tournament day, they moved. I'd never found that school in Chickamauga before, and I really got lucky to even find it when I found it. There was somebody else fishing another little shell bed down the ledge that I was actually wanting to stand, and uh, he was on it. I couldn't stand it, and so I pulled up down the ledge, and I just stumbled across an absolute mega load of fish, and they were sitting in 23 feet. And uh, Jordan had a better boat number. I had a terrible boat number for that tournament. He beat me there. And him and I both started there, and he let me come in there and fish with him, but he had 17 pounds before I even got there. <laughs> and uh, he had figured out before I got there he saw them on side imaging and they were in six to eight foot instead of out there in 23. And so I couldn't just, you know, scan the, the school and see where they were because he was fishing. I want to be respectful to him, but, um, and he was nice enough to let me pull in there with him. And, uh, but yeah, he figured that deal out on that side imaging where they got in that six to eight foot instead of out there on the 23 and him and I were talking about, it's like, dude, why are these fish, so shallow today they were way out there in 23 when i found them he's like dude they were they were in 23 when i found them too and i wish they'd get back out there because i made two casts and caught two sevens in practice and uh i'm like me too i didn't even make a cast on because they looked so good and uh but that's just the deal you know you've got to get dialed in on those electronics and that's why jacob wheeler and dustin Connell and all these guys that are putting the time in to learn these electronics that's why they're top 10 and the bass pro tour well, talk, uh, talk to me about this harness that you, you, you mentioned i mean explain that to me so and honestly i was one of these people i was everybody was always talking about how lawrence was 
going backwards in their technology. Uh, the Gen 2, the LSS2 transducer was the best unit ever made. I wish they could get back there. And what was actually happening, and I was arguing, you know, I was on the Lorentz Pro team and went to all the classics with Lorentz. And, you know, so I got a little behind the scenes being able to talk to Jeremiah and all the people that are, you know, the brains of Lorentz. And we were always back and forth about this and that. And I wish you could do this and get back to that. And what I found out was is, when we went to touchscreen technology or when Lawrence went to touchscreen technology, it took way more power for these processors to work. And so the factory wiring that the, the you know, these major bass boat builders put in the in the units or in these boats are made for, you know, one seven or eight inch unit. And that doesn't pull much power. It's not that they wire their boat wrong. It's just that the package that they sell requires this wire and then we put aftermarket units on it and so we have to have an aftermarket wiring harness for these units to allow them to fully perform to their full potential and uh so i worked for Lawrence from like 2014 to last year september was my last month with Lawrence, and i started designing this harness when i i kind of got an idea about how Lawrence got their pictures. You know, Jeremiah was showing me pictures of what I wanted to see, but my units didn't look like what I wanted them to look like. And so he kind of, you know, gave me some insight on what they were doing and how they were getting their marketing pictures and videos and et cetera. And uh, so I've wanted to recreate what they were doing, which, you know, what they were doing was just running a power wire straight to a battery that was two foot from the battery away from everything and so it was clean sufficient power going to the processor nothing fancy but i had to figure out how to recreate that scenario in a bass boat 20 foot from a unit mm-hmm. um, and so i started designing this harness and i uh, finally got it to where i wanted it and released it last year january 6th i think was our release date of last year and you know, that harness just gets clean, sufficient power, allows you to run all of your units on one wiring harness. Uh, and you can run multiple brands on the harness, so it doesn't matter if you've got two Lorenzes in a Garmin or four Hummingbirds in a Garmin or Lorenz, Hummingbird, and Garmin, all three. You can run all of your units on this harness, and it's just got the right kind of wire, the right strands, the right number of strands. It's jacketed to keep electrical interference from bleeding into your units and so you know if your most of the boats are just factory wired to the bus panel well you know anytime there's a spark in power that's close to each other they're going to bleed into each other it's like you know you get on your phone and both of you are still talking to each other and you get too close you're going to start getting some weird feedback mm. the same well, or or radio, you know, if you get static in your radio because of something. The same thing happens with the unit. When you leave your units powered to that bus panel and your live well pumps and all that stuff run off of it, for one, you're probably going to experience low voltage and your units might blink, flash, turn off, do all the crazy stuff, show no source. But it's also what people don't know is it dirties up the power because you know, when you put two power sources close to each other, they're going to bleed into each other. And so you've got to separate all of your power sources for your units. 
and get clean power to that processor. And when you get clean power to that processor and sufficient 12.3 volts or higher all day, your units are going to perform. It's like, you know, putting carbs in your body. Uh, if you don't have carbs, then you're going to get tired. If your units don't have the the volts that it needs and the clean volts that it needs, then it's not going to perform to its full potential. And so that's what the harness does. It just provides clean, sufficient power to all your units. And then when that ECM in that unit has everything it needs, then it's, you know, it's, it's popping as fast as it can pop and your images are going to be crystal clear. Uh, your structure stand's going to read real fast when you come off pad. It's going to uh, save your battery. So the way power works is low volts equals high amps. So if you're experiencing low voltage for any reason, improper wiring, got too much stuff run to the bus panel, bad connections, your units are going to go into low voltage. And when your units go into low voltage, the amp draw goes up because the unit is trying to get more power to it. And then whatever's causing it to have low voltage in the beginning is going to cause it to just keep going up and up and up. Before you know it, you're, you're pulling 20 amps per unit instead of three amps per unit. And it kills your cranking battery and then you're dead in the water or you're out there with your engine cranked uh, trying to fish and you know, it's just a mess. So, Where do people find this product? Man, you can find them pretty much every, a lot of places. I think we got like 48 dealers. You can get them on Tackle Warehouse. You can buy them direct from us at cclearpower.com. You can get them at uh, precisionsonar.com or dd26.com. So, um, there's a bunch of places you can get them, but we'd love for y'all to shop with us at cclearpower.com. And, How do you uh, spell you that any... real quick? I'm sorry. It's S-E-A-C-L-E-A-R-P-O-W-E-R.com. Okay. Good stuff, man. Yep. Man, what an interesting segment and, uh, and educational. And uh, I know that this is, you know, also something that, you know, you're not just a, a, a professional fisherman and a bass guide, but you're also, you teach classes as well. And, and that's something that I don't think many people do. And, and I think there's probably, as me and you've talked about, there's a lot of people that have electronics that just, even though they got them, they're trying to use them. They may call themselves use it, but they don't have it dialed in. They don't use it correctly. They don't know how to get the most out of their unit that they have in their boat. So the fact that you offer uh, training is man, I, it can just put, especially new people that are just getting into the electronic side. I mean, I, I would imagine if you didn't have a resource like yourself to go to, that there could be a really large learning curve on it. Oh, there's a huge learning curve. You know, I was very fortunate. I had mentors that took me out. You know, Timmy Horton taught me a ton about offshore ledge fishing and what to look for. And But honestly, what, what really you know, taught me everything is just getting out there for one, take a lesson with somebody that knows what they're doing and help them get confident, help them get you confidence. And then once you've got confidence, then it's just you putting in the time of dialing everything in and, and getting comfortable behind your office because, you know, it's just your eyes underwater and my clients aren't going to make as many casts in the day as, you know, some clients are going to make but they're going to be a lot more efficient with their casts. So 
my clients are in this time of year will never not throw in front of a fish ever. I mean, yeah, they're I will, throwing at fish. Yeah. If we stop and I put the trolling motor down, it's because they're about to bring their lure in front of a fish and it's going to be a bass. And when you can, you know, guarantee folks that it, it's huge for their confidence because fish don't bite every day. So, you know, if, if you can at least show them, Hey, look, this is, this is what this is. And there's uh, 55 of them. They're going to uh, have a lot better, you know, and it's going to give you a lot more confidence out there that sure. you can sit and wait on a fish to bite instead of just, you know, moseying down the bank, wondering if there's a random one there chasing some brim somewhere. That's right. That's right. It's a total game changer. Well, if somebody wants to contact you to either come get in the boat, learn, learn electronics, get educated on it, uh, or if they want to book a fishing trip with you on Pickwick or other places that you guide, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you, Nathan? They can call me at 256-436-9604 or they can email me at nathan at cclearpower.com, uh, N-A-T-H-A-N at S-E-A-C-L-E-A-R, power.com. Good stuff, man. Well, hey, that's, um, like I said, great segment. Guys, y'all give Nathan a call. Uh, obviously, you can tell from listening to him on this segment that he knows what he's talking about with it, not only the electronics, but he knows how to catch fish. And you're headed up to, uh, you're headed to the classic soon, right? Yeah, that's uh, why I haven't done as many trips. I've only done like two this week and two last week because I've been trying to get prepared. But yeah, we're uh, we're leaving for the classic uh, Wednesday morning at 5 a.m. and uh, we will be there. I guess the classic's Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I'm sure people can can find you if you find a booth and then that'll be great. And you can send it to me and we'll add it in our show notes. But if you're going to the classics, be sure and look for Nathan up there in his booth and reach out to him and, and, and book a trip. Uh, Nathan, before I let you get out of here, you know, I got to get a tip of the day. So if somebody's going to come up to, to, to Pickwick, uh, what is a tip that you would give them uh, for somebody coming up to fish this weekend? You know, uh, the last week they've been biting a crankbait real well. I haven't really found one that's any better than the other. You just kind of keep cycling through them um, until you find which one they like that day. But, you know, it's really about reading those schools like I was telling you about. You got to know, you know, which schools are going to eat the crankbait based off how they look set up on the on the graph. But you know, I, I was really – I've been focusing this week on the schools that aren't just sucked real tight to the bottom. They, You can tell that there's some stripe in there with them and – and a lot of bait and you know those stripe are usually a lot better about biting than a bass so you know a lot of times it's about firing up the school of stripe and then it gets the bass excited and then you go to waylaying on them and i would definitely be throwing a crankbait and a carolina rig to football head jig three quarter those are about my three go-tos there and then uh just a a swim bait the uh i kind of don't want to let this out but uh the duck it (laughs) the ducket tail swim bait i think i've talked to you about it before on here and it just really hasn't caught on i don't know if people don't believe it or what because ducket is not known for making baits but 
that Duckett Subtle Tail swim bait is the best swim bait. That is my confident swim bait this year. You know, I always tell people it's all about getting ahead of that swim bait bite if you really want to experience it. If you can find a swim bait that nobody else is throwing and they like, you can really get right quick. And I've been enjoying this little being ahead of the curve on this duck at subtle tail for a year and a half now and nobody really seems to or if they are getting on it they're keeping it hush hush too because they're biting it but i'm telling you that duck at subtle tail all the sizes it don't matter they eat it and it's been catching the billions that's awesome man that's awesome well nathan we appreciate that tip man and and appreciate your segment and you calling in and uh always look forward to having you on here man and uh we'll look forward to talking to you again next time and uh stay safe out there and keep catching them my friend all right thank you for having me all right buddy talk to you again soon well that's another awesome report and it was brought to you by Sun South from outdoors equipment parts service accessories Sun South has you covered on the best for less, visit SunSouth or SunSouth.com for quality John Deere equipment. SunSouth for those that do. All right, folks, that is going to wrap up this week's show. If you're enjoying the podcast, please take a minute to subscribe, rate, and drop us a review wherever you listen to the podcast. And remember, if you'd like us to send it to you each and every week, just text the word FISHING to 314 314- six six five one seven six seven and we will email you the show send it to you each and every week uh until next week guys stay safe on the water we'll talk to you soon this week's alabama freshwater fishing report was brought to you by sun south if your to-do list requires work on the land come see us at sun south we listen to your needs so you get the right equipment and the right implements at a price you can afford for john deere equipment sales parts and service come see us at sun south Equipment for those that do. And brought to you by Photonist Defense, PD Pro Ultralight Ultra Compact Night Vision Systems. Simply the best in-class night vision system ever built. Contact us at PhotonistDefense.com to learn more. Photonist Defense, Masters of Darkness. And brought to you by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. Become a better southern hunter and angler and pick up your copy today wherever fine magazines are sold or save a bundle online at greatdaysoutdoors.com. And brought to you by Bucks Island is a family-owned and operated business since 1948. At bucksislands.com, you can check out the full list of inventory from new and used bass, pontoon, bow rider style boats, new and used motors, as well as kayaks for sale. Give them a call at 256-442-2588. And brought to you by Brian Sandwin, National Land Realty. You already trust me with your fishing report, so trust me to help you find or sell that next piece of property as well. Just give me a call at 601-383-2344.